The OHSU Partnership Project is a collaborative program. From providing access to medical services to raising awareness, it's an important resource for people living with HIV or AIDS and to people in the transgender community. You can support the program by taking part in the AIDS Walk, which is just around the corner. It's Tuesday, September 4th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Josh Anderson. Tracy Lamb sat down with Julia Lager-Masulam, director of the OHSU Partnership Project, to learn more about the program and how to get involved in this year's AIDS Walk. Welcome, Julia, and thank you for joining us here on OHSU Week. Thank you for having me. First of all, what is the Partnership Project? So the Partnership Project is a program that houses two specific programs. One is our HIV case management program that has a number of programs within it. And then the other is a newly formed program that started in 2015, which is the Transgender Health Program. Within the HIV program, we have medical case management, nursing case management, insurance enrollment assistance, information and referral, and intensive service navigation for refugees and immigrants living with HIV. And our goal with that program is to make sure that people living with HIV have access to health insurance and are provided medications and have the possibility of achieving viral suppression. And we do that in a variety of ways in collaborating with our community partners and our clinical partners to support folks. Within the Transgender Health Program, that started in 2015, and that is really an umbrella for the transgender-related um, services, clinical services, and non-clinical services that happen here at OHSU. Within the non-clinical um, realm, we offer information referral, education and preparation for transition-related care, accompaniment and support for medical visits, do a huge amount of training for OHSU and the community and beyond, act as clinical consultations for OHSU providers and other healthcare providers, and advocacy within OHSU and the greater Oregon community around transgender care. Wow, so that's that's quite a lot of service to provide, not just the, the healthcare side, but also the support and the emotional support as mm -hmm. well. Yes. And is it for Oregon and Southwest Washington, or what is the geographic region? So we're funded specifically for um, with our HIV program to serve the Portland metro area, which includes Multnomah, Clackamas County, Washington, Columbia County, and Yamhill County. So we do extend quite a bit past OHSU. Yeah, and so how many people come through each year? So this past year we served about 700 clients. And what is the most frequently used service, you know? Well, all of those clients are engaged in medical case management. Not all of our clients are accessing nursing case management. That, one, because we have a small FTE of nurses, but also because not everyone needs a nurse. People who are engaged in care, who are adherent to their meds, understand their medications, don't necessarily need the skill of a nurse. Um, it's for the folks who are newly diagnosed, who have questions, who are struggling, who have barriers, who need you know help setting up a med box once a month. Sometimes, I mean, that's a huge thing to do, but sometimes that's all it is to help people achieve viral suppression. Um, and we do a really great job of that. We have a 91% viral suppression rate of our clients, um, and that is quite a bit higher than the national average and even the average in um, Oregon. Well, and what do you attribute to that high rate? Um, because we are integrated into a variety of HIV clinics, not just at OHSU. So when Partnership was formed, it's a multi-healthcare consortium 
variety of health systems in the community came together to form partnership to standardize case management, make it easy for clients to access services if they were changing providers, for example. So the VA, Providence, Legacy, and OHSU are our health systems that we serve. So we're integrated into those clinics. Our staff are in those clinics at varying hours of the week, and we have access to all those medical records. So we're very much a part of that clinical team. And when we notice that people aren't showing up for appointments, we're scrubbing the um, medical record to determine are they making their appointments? Have they even just gone for their lab visit? And then we're reaching out to them to determine what do you need help with? Is it transportation? Is it, do you need help making the appointment? Do you need directions? Like it can sometimes be something very simple to us, but it people present with lots of barriers and lots of trauma really about the healthcare system. So we try and alleviate that. What is the overall landscape of HIV in our local community and then also nationally? So when we look at the number of people living with HIV in the country, we have about 1.1 million. In Oregon, we have about 7,600. And in the Portland community, um, we represent most of those at 5574. So most of the folks living with HIV are in the Portland metro area. When we look at new infections, um, nationally, we've done a really good job of reducing new infections with more increased testing and medication, treatment as prevention. We've um, nationally 38,000 folks are testing positive a year, which is a decline from 2010 when there were 41,000 people diagnosed. In Oregon specifically, um, last year we had 193 new infections, and that was the first time since the epidemic started that we were under 200. Wow. So we're doing really well in our state. Um, we're very collaborative. People from all over the state um, agencies collaborate really well on, on testing and a variety of things in our care continuum. And in the Portland metro community, we represented 165 of those new infections. Um, in terms of the demographics of who's positive in our community, it is very much um, a white male disease in our community. 86% um, of diagnoses um, are men, 13% are female, and 1% are transgender. In terms of age, majority of our folks are um, over 55. That is a, um, an increasing population in the community because thankfully people are living longer with HIV so they're aging and that brings along a whole other set of issues related to their health care and also isolation um, and depression. In terms of race, I said majority of the folks are white, 19% are Hispanic, 8% identify as multiracial, 9% um, as African American, and 3% as Asian, and 1% as American Indian Alaska Native. People who are coming into the program, do they even know about these resources? Because it sounds like the, there are resources out there. Do they even know it exists? Sometimes, no. I mean, a lot of times they might even have been in care for 10 years and didn't start on medications because the provider didn't know about these programs. And so that's why we're in the clinics to say, you know, give not we can't handle every single person that comes into care, but, you know, assess for people if they're not starting meds because of a financial issue, please talk to us and let us know. So I think it's complicated when you are first diagnosed with HIV. There's so much going on in your mind. Um, and so it's hard to know what you don't know. And if you never had to explore that or know that for yourself, why would you know it? So yes, I think people come in not knowing and being 
really relieved when they find out that, yes, you can get health insurance and we're going to help you maintain that. Let's talk a little bit about um, the stigma and discrimination that that still exists and people with HIV face a day and, and how it manifests. So I think it manifests itself from early on. So people aren't getting tested in the way that they should because of stigma, because they may go to their provider but not talk about their behaviors and what they think is putting them at risk or that they're having symptoms that could be HIV related. So that fear of discrimination or of being treated differently starts right there or not even going into healthcare period because of fear of how you may be treated. Um, and also in our political environment, if you're here not with legal documentation, you could be very frightened to go into any system for fear that you will be reported and then deported. So I think the stigma, it's fast. I think in terms of accessing services, we're really mindful of our name and it doesn't say HIV in our name. and years we've gone back and forth about having HIV in our tagline, um, in our description, um, and not having it because we feel like we're at a point where we don't need to hide anymore. HIV is not something to be ashamed of. It's It's a chronic disease that is manageable, and people live a very long, healthy life when they access services and medication appropriately. But stigma is still a very big reason why people aren't accessing care. And also, especially when people are um, living outside the Portland metro area, it's a, a big fear to go to the local pharmacy to pick up your meds or to have meds mailed to your home. And who else is going to see what's being dropped off on your porch or in your mail slot? Um, I mean, that happens within Portland as well, but it happens at a greater magnitude when you're outside of the Portland metro area. What are other challenges for people with HIV in getting health care? A lot of people are existing with a lot of trauma that they've brought from HIV-related or just life-related. So figuring out how that manifests mental health-wise as well as their substance use going on. There can be so many issues that people need to address in their lives, um, and sometimes HIV is on the bottom. That is something that people cannot wrap their heads around or even know that there are solutions that they can access health care. So I, I know with the partnership project, you're helping folks who are coming in. Is there work being done to do outreach for people who aren't coming in for health care for whatever reason it is, you know, housing, substance abuse, stigma? Yeah, so we work a lot with our healthcare systems to make sure that people in clinics are aware of our services. We try and do a lot of promotion at um, Gay Pride, at wellness villages, at all kinds of different events, cultural events. Um, we just supported the PDX Latina Pride Week, Bomb and Gilead event that happens once a year within the church community. So we try and sponsor events and get out there at, and table at things so people are aware of our services and that we are here to help. Do you have any success stories you can share with us? We've had so many people that have come in that were diagnosed late in their disease progression that were diagnosed with an AIDS diagnosis, meaning that they had less than 200 T-cells and maybe had like three or four T-cells. So if you have a low number of T-cells, your immune system cannot fight off the common cold, basically. We have found that once we've got somebody insured and engaged in care and on meds and provided support with nursing case management and referred them to peers or whatever was needed, that they are healthy now. I mean, there's hundreds of people that over the time since 1995 that we've been able to really help people who we thought we wouldn't see again, that we would lose them. They are still with us. 
Well, let's talk about the AIDS walk. It's right around the corner. Tell us a little bit about the purpose of the walk. What is it? Where is it? When is it? So, yes, AIDS Walk um, is produced actually by Cascade AIDS Project, which is our partner organization in Portland, and they do incredible work around housing and prevention and advocacy. So they produce the event. It's happening Saturday, September 8th. starts at 1030, and we will be starting our walk at 11. So for the past maybe five-plus years, CAP has granted sister agencies, which we are one of, 60% of what our team raises. So... It's a fundraiser for us. And fundraising is only 1% of our budget, and it's really critical. AIDS Walk is not something that we just do to raise money, but it's about raising awareness and getting in the streets and letting people know that HIV is still an issue and people can be tested and treated for it. You can go onto our website. There's a link there to join our team. We have 19 members right now. We'd love to have a big OHSU presence. If people can't walk, they can go online and donate to our team. And it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's a three-mile walk around the Pearl, and it's just great to kind of see the line behind you of, of the streets being full of people. I think it's important for people to continue to get out in the streets. When I first came to Portland 20 years ago, AIDS Walk was much smaller than it is now, and I'm really happy that it's grown because we need to continue to raise our voices and be heard because we don't want to be forgotten. And I think that's easy to happen in this climate. Okay, and tell us the website again. So you can um, go to aidswalkportland.org and search for OHSU or search for partnership and we'll come up. You can go on our website and there's a link there as well to sign up for the walk or donate. And you can also access information about us on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Again, this is Julia Logger Masulam, Director of OHSU Partnership Project. Thank you. Thank you. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Tracy Lamb and edited by me. I'm Josh Anderson. See you next week.